0: guys can take a seat. Uh, this is like the best crowd ever. You guys are so awesome. Rachel shows up. Hey guys, my name is, woo! It's like amazing. I love it. The energy is so good. Thank you guys for being here so much. We love that you guys are just a part of our weekly rhythm now. We do this every single Thursday for the rest of the dang year. I'm excited. Um, you guys should be excited because you have chairs. That's cool. No more, no more ground. Yep. Uh, And I'm excited because I've got wipes. So if I start sweating again, just, it'll be great. Uh, (laughs) Dap it a couple times and I'll be fine. It is prison hot up here. These lights, man, oh, they add like 20 degrees. So, okay, Uh, I'm excited. I had an intro kind of planned out, but I kind of scrapped all of it because I actually just want to take a moment to thank God for what he has done these last two weeks. And uh, I met with my boy, Jaleel. I didn't ask him if I could do this, but I met with him today, and it was so dang cool to see what God is doing in individual people's lives here at Salt St. Paul. And I just like sat in my car, listened to worship music on blast for like an hour and a half thanking Jesus for that. And so that's what we're about here actually at Salt Company is we love the large gatherings, but we're interested in the individual life transformation that can happen in this old church basement. So I just want to pray actually and thank God for doing that. Yeah, Father, we, we don't deserve what you've done in this place. We have nothing That we can own we have nothing that we have done that has contributed to this but father you want to be the one to to stir up our souls and affection for you and i want to thank you for julio i want to thank you for the work that you've done in his life the transformative nature of your gospel in his heart i want to thank you for saving me would you restore to me the joy of my salvation tonight would i remember the first time i ever heard and tasted and seen the beauty of the gospel for the first time um, thanks for every student that's here. We do love the large group gatherings. We're thankful for that. We're, we're pumped that we get to pack out this room, and the energy is super high. But, um, Father, we're about individual life transformation here at Salt Company. We want to see lives change for the gospel, and we want to see people fall deeply in love with you. And so thanks for doing that, Father. In your name we pray. Amen? Amen. All right. Guys, it is actually so fun. Man, we're going to do this all year long, and I'm just so, I'm so excited about that. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Tony. I lead this college ministry. I get to lead alongside the most incredible staff team for Rachel, Sophie, Jack, and Leo. So can we just praise God for that team? They love you guys. Um, yeah, they are incredible. They're way more godly than I am, and it it's so fun to work with them in the work of ministry. And so I'm excited for this year. And as, as Rachel said, we have a vision to see campuses in St. Paul reached and seeing the city of St. Paul renewed. And we actually believe that in this basement, God can begin something that extends far beyond this place. And we're hoping that that would begin with this crew right here. But let me just uh, begin by posing a question for you. Uh, when's the last time you really played yourself? Okay. So I was in a really serious relationship in seventh grade. Her name was Kira. She was awesome. Um, there she was. She was super tall. Like I'm talking like in my mind, she looked like a skyscraper and I looked like a shed. It was not even close. And <laughs> as I think about myself in seventh grade, I'm like, probably three feet. OK, so uh, we're on this really romantic date. We're walking around her neighborhood while walking her dog. I don't know why anyone thought that was a good idea. And we're walking around her neighborhood. And I just had a moment of faith, you know what I mean? Like, you know, when like the you know, love's in the air and you're like, OK, I can do this. So I mustered up literally every ounce of courage. Like, I'm talking like I talked myself into it for a good 45 minutes. I was like, I'm going to have my first kiss tonight. So it's going to be great. I tr- So uh, that was exciting. Let me just tell you how it worked, though. A couple logistical complexities. One, we were in motion, which is not a good time to try. Like, <laughs> like you try doing anything walking, and it just like doesn't work nearly as well. The accuracy, it's like an athletic feat. Uh, secondly, she was literally twice as tall as me, so that was an issue. So in order for me to kiss her in motion, I was going to have to go full extension, you know what I mean? And like really time it right. So the moment builds up. I'm like, okay, I can do this. And then um, I miss, so I actually hit the bottom of her chin. And she like, looked at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, Do you think I did that on purpose? Like, okay, I just hit the bottom of your chin. And so we just walked in silence for the rest of the time. Um, yeah. Seared into my brain, like literally forever. Uh, yeah, it's brutal. Uh, so that happened. So you could say I played myself in that moment. I don't know. Maybe you could, maybe you don't. But I played myself. And in that moment, I was my greatest enemy. And here's why I tell you that stupid story, okay? I'm going to tell you a lot of stupid stories this year. You guys are going to hear so much of my stupid stories. But here's why I tell you that. It's because if we're all honest with ourselves, we know that we play ourselves on a consistent basis, okay? So maybe you're here and you're like, okay, I've really tried this week to wake up early, spend time with God as the good Christians do. And then you wake up at 7.52 for an 8 a.m. and panic mode engaged. You're like running You show up to class all crusty, no one wants to talk to you, it's gross, like don't do that, take a shower, you know, right? Or, maybe a little bit deeper, you want deep relationships with people, but as soon as people get close, you push them away. Maybe that's because you've been hurt by people in your past, and so you show up to every relationship with a lot of walls up, caged around you, not letting anyone in. Or, you don't want to be dependent on porn, alcohol, or affirmation, but without those things, you kind of sink slowly into a low-grade depression, and because of that, you watch the porn, you drink the drink, and you check the Insta every single day of your life. And I think if we were all honest with ourselves, we would understand that we are our greatest enemies, and we are enslaved to ourselves. Okay, so even before I continue into this text, we're going to be looking at John 8, and it's going to be beautiful, but I want to actually say this caveat real quick before I get into it, that I'm speaking to you as someone who's in process. And actually, um, yeah, I've, I've learned recently that I've experienced a lot of trauma as a child. So I've been going to trauma therapy once a week uh, for the last couple months now, and it's been, it's been really, really hard, but it's also been really, really beautiful. And so the reason why I tell you guys that is because you might come from church cultures where you expect the pastor to be like a really good at living life. I suck at living life. Clearly, missed a kiss. And... <laughs> Like, come on, bro, you should know that by now. If you haven't known that by now, you will know that. But I'm also in process, which gives you the freedom to be in process. And so wherever you come from tonight, whatever you have on your heart or on your shoulders, the burdens that are weighing you down, Jesus can meet you in your process. And so you don't have to come in cleaned up, excited, whatever. We, we love that, but we love you're excited, but you can be broken and you can be honest, okay? So I wanted to give you guys that caveat before we get into it. And if you're anything like me, my guess would be that the people that you love most are the hardest to love. And it's because you're broken. And so we live in a culture that has gotten really, really good at medicating ourselves out of our brokenness, but that doesn't actually change that we're in desperate need of help. And I think what Jesus has to offer us in John 8 is a way out of that brokenness into true freedom. Okay, so if you've got a Bible with you, I'd love if you would open up to John chapter 8. It's the fourth gospel. It's in the New Testament, so if you kind of think like 70% of the way through, okay? If you're a really good guesser. you might just open up right there. If not, it will be on the screens. And here's my big idea for us tonight, that we are all enslaved to ourselves. We'll be looking at six verses, verses 30 to 36, so look with me to the screens or at your Bibles as I read out this text. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin, and the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Okay, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm just going to teach this text. Okay, I'm going to go verse by verse through this text because at Soul Company, we actually believe that God's word has the power to radically transform your mind, your heart, and your soul. And so we believe that if you would actually learn the words of Jesus and believe them internally, that your life would be transformed forever and that you would leave this place and this year a different human being. That you would look back at the end of a year of Soul Company and you'd be like, I don't even know what happened, but my life changed. And that's what we believe the word of God has the power to do. So we just teach through the Bible. Don't take anything I have to say unless it's from the word. I actually mean that, okay? I have nothing good to give you. We don't do topical series. We just do verse by verse through the Bible. And I think that's what's going to be most helpful for you guys tonight. So let's begin in verse 30 where Jesus engages believers with a dialogue and puts a contingency on true belief. So I'll re-read verse 30 and 31. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So it's kind of interesting, right? It's like, okay, the Jews had believed in him, but then he says, actually, there's a contingency. True belief comes from abiding in his word, the Bible. And what Jesus is doing here is he's showing us the difference between intellectual assent, which basically is a fancy way of saying, okay, I like, think I agree with that, to experiential knowledge. And there's a big distinction that Jesus makes here because those Jews had believed in Jesus in a way of agreeing with Jesus' teaching. So they were like, okay, Jesus, we get it. You're a good moral teacher. We kind of get that some of your stuff is aligned with what we believe in, so we're going to believe in you. But what Jesus says is actually that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for actual relationship and and friendship. See, the Jews of that time were like, okay, Jesus, we get it. We get that you're a good teacher. We're going to follow you. But Jesus wants something deeper. And in fact, I think this is what most people who don't know God believe about Christians, actually. That if you have friends who aren't Christians, they probably look at Christianity and they're like, okay, you guys are just people who intellectually assent that Jesus is the son of God and verbally expound that, but your lives don't match that because they don't actually know Jesus. And so we have, we have what's called hypocritical Christianity that is birthed at the intersection of intellectual assent but not experiential knowledge. And here's what I want to define Christianity for you right now. It's actually not just, okay, I'm a Christer, so I go to church on Christmas, and Easter, and I'm like, hey, two days out of the year, I believe in Jesus. It's 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, you have given your life to the Lord. That's what actual Christianity does, and here's what happens when, that, when you enter into that, your life changes. You actually begin to know experientially that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and I just want to speak to you guys, if, if you kind of either didn't grow up around the church or you did grow up around the church, but you were kind of on the outskirts and and you, you have a bad taste in your mouth of Christianity because people who knew the Bible didn't actually know Jesus, but they're able to use Bible verses to kind of cut you a little bit deeply. I want you to know that the teachings of Jesus are not use Bible verses to cut people. It's actually love people. And actual Christians that are transformed by the gospel want to love you. And that's what connection groups are for. It's not to Bible bash you. It's not to throw verses at you. It's to actually invite you into the kingdom of God. And that's why we put such a high emphasis on it, because you need to actually know that people who are Christians believe in the truth of the gospel, and that gospel is for you. So what Jesus does here is he shows that true belief isn't less than intellectual sense. So it's not just not believing in Jesus, but it's actually more, that there's a depth to belief, and that depth comes from abiding, being, and sitting in the words of Jesus. And there's a beauty to that belief. And we live like, in a really fast-paced culture. So I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I'm in a hurry everywhere. Okay? I'm late to everything. I'm never on time. I can never do enough. But to actually be with Jesus, you need to slow down enough to realize that God's love has a cadence. It has a pace. And when he meets you in the pace, you begin to know him more. And so it's all I think many of us have grown up with some type of knowledge about Jesus, and you might be able to describe him intellectually you might know facts about him, but what Jesus wants to say, it's actually not just about knowing facts about him, but it's about being with him, abiding in him. So I am a self-identified nerd, okay? I love podcasts. I don't know if you guys love podcasts, but if you don't, you should. Like, everyone's listening to them, so it used to be this thing where it's like, if you listen to podcasts, you are like ahead of the time, but then people are like, have you listened to eight different podcasts in the last day? I'm like, what do you do? Like, what do you do with your time? So I love podcasts. I love audiobooks, It's super fun. Um... I studied business in college. I actually didn't study ministry, so I'm not using my degree, and I'm fine about that. Uh, But I know a lot about Jeffy Jeff Bezos, okay? So I don't know if you know about Jeffy Jeff. He's great. Um, He's fantastic. I've listened to plenty of podcasts on him. And if you were to ask me, like, hey, Tone, describe Jeffy, right? What's he like, you know? I could be like, well, you know, he's 57. He's got a bald head, you know? (laughs) Great haircut, if you know what I mean. Uh... (laughs) He's great. He's 57. He, he started uh, this empire called Amazon that has made me super lazy. Like, anytime I need to go to Target, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I could just click a button, and it'd be here in two days. Like, it's changed my behavior. Uh, I could tell you that he's, like, this genius, and he thinks 12 quarters ahead. But here's what you would know. It's like, if you were like, okay, describe to me Jeff Bezos, and I gave you those answers, here's what you would say is, okay, so you actually haven't ever met Jeff Bezos, right? Because I'd be giving you facts about Jeff Bezos, but I wouldn't be giving you characteristics about Jeff Bezos. I think for a lot of us in this room, we've learned about Jesus in podcast form. So we kind of heard some things about Jesus. Okay, I've I've heard these are his teachings. I've heard that he does this kind of stuff, but you've never actually encountered him. So the question for you tonight is, how would you describe Jesus? Who is the real Jesus to you? And, And here's what I want you to know is that I don't know, maybe you've come in here and your perceptions of Jesus have been that he's angry with you, that, okay, I've messed up this, this week too much for God to love me. Why would Jesus come for someone as broken as me? I don't know what your perception is, but here's what's true about Jesus to me is he is my best friend, and he has been with me in every single season. And every time I've come to the end of myself, I've found him there. And he has been so faithful to me and he's been with me in the fire every single day for the rest of my life. I know that he will be. And so not only has he been with me in the past, he's with me in the present and he'll be with me every day for all of eternity. And here's what's true about Jesus is he is my best friend and he is my Lord. And if you do not know him like that, if the descriptors that you would give about Jesus or you know things about Jesus but not actually his character, his cadence and his peace, then listen, you can know him like that. And tonight might be the first night that you just be with Jesus. And here's what that means. I know we, we kind of talk in Christianity about doing stuff for God or doing stuff, whatever. I want you to focus this year on being with God, which means in worship, here's what you do. You try to stop thinking about everything else you got going on and just ask God, like, hey, God, can it? what's going on? There's something stirring in my heart. I feel like you're calling me near to him. You can be with him in that moment. That means you can go home, and you can open up the Gospel of John. Actually, you don't, hear, you don't need to teach it. You don't need to hear teaching from the Bible only on Thursday nights. You can walk with Jesus and open up the book of John and see his character and his presence in his word. And as a product of this type of belief, the knowing type of belief, Jesus promises freedom. So look with me to verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Here's what Jesus is promising you, that if you abide in his words in the Bible, you sit in the text and you encounter the living God, that your soul will be set free by the truth in the word. Now, in our day and age, this is an incredibly offensive statement from Jesus because we as a human species have kind of like not agreed on the objective ob- tip. Objective t- all right, let's try that again. Objectivity. That didn't even work. Okay, we have not agreed on truth. Let me just say it. All right, whatever. We have not agreed on truth. And stick around this year if you want me to nerd out hard about all the logical inconsistencies of that. I actually believe that there is objective truth, and it's the Word of God, and it's in the Bible. So you can actually read it. It's amazing. But the main problem for that audience wasn't this objective truth concept. It was actually the problem of freedom. Now, here's why uh, the Jews kind of hated when Jesus was like, okay, you're going to be free is because they already considered themselves free. They believed that they were God's chosen people, Abraham's sons, who were to rule the land. They didn't consider themselves people to be enslaved, but people to rule, okay? But I want you to catch the irony in this. I know that this is just like historical context, but the irony in this is even as they believe they're free, they're literally under Roman oppression. So they're actually not free. And in fact, they're living out this illusion of freedom. And here's what's true about modern day college campuses in America we live out an illusion of freedom. And our version of freedom isn't really tied to ancestry, but it's more tied to socioeconomic opportunity. It's more tied to financial gain. It's more tied to education. And so we assume that if we have all these different Western worldview concepts that we would also be free. But the truth is, we're not. Because Jesus shows us in this text, that true freedom isn't about the external realities, whether it's your ancestry like the Jews or your future economic earning potential like American culture, but actually true freedom can only be found being released from the shackles of sin. And here's why we believe that, actually. Like I know that's like a theological concept, but here's why we preach the Bible is because it's the word of God and it can map onto your life. Is because you don't actually feel free. If you're completely honest with yourself, you woke up every day, what's the first thing you think about? What's the first thing that gets you stressed? What's the, if I don't get this, I'm going to freak out? That's your master. And I know that's hard to hear, but I've got plenty of them. Okay, So here's the reality for all of us is we don't feel free. And in fact, it's like, man, you can make as much money in the world. Why are people still depressed when they're making $10 million a year? Shouldn't they be free? Because the cultural expectation of freedom has failed us. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell the Jews then, and this is what Jesus is trying to tell us now, is that freedom is actually internal. It's an internal, soul-level, deep reality. And here's what he says to you in verse 34. He says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And here's a simple definition of sin. Sin is anything that does not honor God. And maybe you're here and you didn't really grow up around Christianity and this lingo around sin. And you're thinking, okay, that's a word I hear people use a lot, but I don't really understand the depth of it. And here's what I'm trying to say to you is that actually sin is incredibly dynamic. It's actually not just about not breaking the rules of religion or not following the commands of the Bible, but it's actually anything that goes against the heartbeat and cadence of Jesus. Anything that does not align with God's vision for humanity and the life that Jesus lived. And we are all enslaved to that sin. And here's how sin enslaves you. It writes checks. It cannot cash. It promises you fulfillment and satisfaction and joy and freedom, but delivers you regret, pain, and disappointment. And it keeps bringing you back more for more. And here's what sin is like. It's like dapping up your boys on a Friday night as you take your girl home and waking up regretting that moment. It's like watching porn and feeling simultaneously incredibly alive and then one second later feeling incredibly dead inside. That's what sin is like. It's like pursuing the next adventure, the next dream, the next Instagrammable moment and only to get to that moment to be so dang disappointed by what you found. Like when people go on the top of these mountains, like I get it, people like hiking, I like it too. Imagine go to the top of this mountain. When people post that picture, every time I'm like, they're actually not that excited about that. Right? You're not that excited about that. They might be excited about getting affirmation on the picture, but they're not excited about getting to the top of that mountain because there's always another one. There's always another mountain that people get to, and so sin doesn't actually satisfy our souls. And here's what's fundamentally true about the human condition is that we are enslaved to the promises of sin and disappointed by what it delivers. But I love what Jesus does, man. This is why Jesus is, what is this fly? (laughs) Literally, this guy hates me. I'm like, what? I can see it in the lights, but it's attacking me. But here's what Jesus does, okay? He offers you a way out of that slavery. And, and this is why I just love Jesus, okay? He, he understands us better than we do. Like, actually, he understands that even if you get the house, the girl, the achievement, whatever, you can accomplish every single, single goal you've ever had in your life. And guess what? You are still going to wake up dissatisfied. Doesn't that sound like slavery to you? working for something that never pays off. But Jesus knows, and I love, I love it because he just lets us a way out. So look with me to verse 36. This is one of the most simple and beautiful texts in the entire Bible. He says, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, the reason why you're enslaved to yourself is because sin is deeply rooted in all of us. The human experience is tainted by the weight of sin, and it permeates every aspect of your life, and you know that because it always disappoints you, and we live as disappointed people. Sin makes us into people who live as counter to the way that we dream of, who live enslaved to our own desires and live in the lies of the world. But this is what Jesus does. He offers us a counter-narrative, a new story, a new way forward, a story of freedom, not bondage, a story of truth, not lies, a story of love, not destruction. Look back with me to verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, the bridge to freedom that we're all looking for, every single human being, seven billion people strong, every single person wakes up every morning trying to be free, that bridge is through knowing the truth. And Jesus answers the question that we had of how can we know the truth six chapters later in John 14 when he says, I am the way, I am the life, and I am the truth. So the pathway to freedom, the gateway, the bridge to freedom is actually to know truth. And you can know that truth because you can know Jesus. And he is the truth that you've been looking for. He has been revealing himself and speaking through his word for 2,000 years. Ever since the first time he opened his mouth up to the, to the Sermon of the Mount, to any single moment, to the woman at the well that we talked about last week, he has been opening up his mouth and breathing truth into the world. And he has breathed that truth into the Bible. So if you're here and you're like, hey, man, I don't like reading, I don't really, I'm not really a book person, let me just tell you, this is not a normal book. This is not an ordinary book. This, will, this book will radically transform your life. So give your life to it and read. I mean, and it might even be 15 minutes every morning. I know that's a lot to ask, but wake up 15 minutes every morning and just try reading the Gospel of John. And look at the person of Jesus in the flesh. Like you can actually imagine him talking to the woman at the well, healing the lion beggar, beggar, talking to the adulterous woman in John 8. You can see him talk to his disciples. Imagine that you're with him in that moment because he's with you right now. And he's with you as you study the word of God and it will radically transform your life. And as I invite the worship band back up, I'll close with this. If you're anything like me, You've walked in here tonight on a desperate search of freedom. I want to let you guys in a little bit on a part of my story and the way that I try to search for freedom. Uh, I grew up in just like a really, really poor, sketchy area of Nashville growing up. I I was born to two immigrant parents who who had no money. And uh, we lived paycheck to paycheck. Life was just a grind. And all I ever wanted was to make a buck. I'm like, if I can make some money, then I'll finally be free. So I got to college, and I finished in three years, and I worked 60 hours a week paying my way through school. And I worked so dang hard because I was on this desperate search of freedom. And I assumed that if I could just make enough money, if I could get a, fine, a stable job, then finally I would be free. But I remember this moment with like crystal clear clarity. I was a sophomore in college, and I was on my bed late at night after a long shift at ballet. And I took this garbage bag <coughs> of tips from underneath my bed, and I just poured it onto my bed. And out came $8,000 in ones, fives, tens, and 20s. And on that bed, I had more money than my parents combined. And I've never felt so enslaved. Because I had finally achieved what I wanted. I had finally gotten what I had hoped for. And I felt so empty and disappointed. One thing that I wish for all of you, actually, is that you will achieve everything you've ever wanted only to realize that it will never satisfy your soul. And you, you, might, you might not stick around for the whole year. I don't know what's going to go on in your life. But I do know that at one point, you will hit a wall where everything you've tried to accomplish in your life, you'll get. I hope you do. I hope you become a stud athlete. I hope you get the girl. I hope you make the money. And I hope you realize at one point that it will never satisfy your soul. I hope that you run into the arms of Jesus because here's what He did for me that night. I felt like it was a resurgence of my soul because He met me there and He's like, "Tony, you don't need money. You need me. You You need me. And then, who cares about the money, man? You've got me. And when you know me, the truth will set you free." And I believed it for the first time, like actually, like the theology became real in my flesh, and I believed that I could be free. So I turned down the finance offer. And I stopped caring so much about how much money I made because I realized that doesn't define me. And here's what's true about you. Whatever you're searching for, that thing that wakes you up in the morning, the thing that makes you feel so tired and so just disappointed about in life, you don't need that to feel loved and known because Jesus Christ loves and knows you. And this is the truth of the gospel that you never have to run to anything else to feel fully alive and free because he offered that up for you right now, right here, and you can take him up on that offer. And he's got plenty to give. He's not stingy. He wants to invite you into the kingdom of God. And here's what happened on the cross. The one who was fully free became enslaved so that you could live free. So all the stuff that enslaved you walking in here tonight, leave it at the door. The kingdom of God is near. The cross has spoken. You are forgiven. You can walk out of here free. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says that the one who knew no sin became sin so that you could live in righteousness. And here's what's true. That sin that enslaved you was taken by Jesus on the cross, and now you can live in righteousness. You don't have to go back to the watering well of whatever you come to. You don't need anyone to tell you that you are and you aren't something. You are invited into the kingdom of God, and tonight you can experience freedom for maybe the first time, and tomorrow morning might be a different morning for you. The kingdom of God is near, and he's here tonight. want us to be people of freedom, not sucked into the world's story that if we could just get that extra thing or we could kind of achieve what we've always desired or get the girl or get the money, whatever it is, that we would finally be free. Father, we all know deep down those are empty promises. Those are broken lies. But Father, you said the truth will set us free. So we believe that tonight, that the truth will set us free, that your kingdom is near and you are that truth. And as we enter into a relationship with you, we become free. Father, I'm sick of living enslaved to my own desires and my own ambitions. I want to live free under the kingdom of God. Father, whatever it is that students are carrying in tonight, the thing that has always plagued them, the thing that has always brought them into depression, Father, I don't know what it is, but I do pray that, Jesus, you would take off the shackles of sin, that you would take off the shackles of whatever lie they walked in with, and they would walk out of here free, that we would be having a party, that you are letting us free. I thank you for that. I thank you that you are good and you set the captive free.